0: Follow the Phantoms, from the Doctor Who Annual, 1969. Read by Fraser Hines The people parading by outside TARDIS were obviously not human, humanoid yes, and in a way remarkably similar to human beings, but they were huge and heavily muscled, and with the finely cut features of the ancient Greeks. Their eyes had a distinctly Asiatic slant, and were much larger than earthly eyes. "'I say, what a handsome bunch,' commented Victoria, edging closer to the vision screen. "'They look like a lot of film stars, and yet—' she broke off uncertainly. "'There's something a bit unreal.' Jamie, her young friend and travelling companion, nodded agreement. "'Ah, I know what you mean. They seem to be marching hard, and yet they don't seem to be getting anywhere. "'Besides, where could they be heading for? Is this some desert we've landed in, Doctor?' Doctor Who did not reply at once. He was bent over the control board of his amazing time and space vehicle, which, from the outside, resembled a police box. "'Something wrong?' asked Victoria, her attention drawn momentarily from the vision screen. The scientist straightened up and ran a hand thoughtfully through his short brown hair. "'This is most puzzling,' he mused. Jamie frowned impatiently. "'What is?' he demanded. Is it that detector of yours? Is it on the blink again? Doctor Who turned on him with a look of distaste. My boy, I have told you before how much I disapprove of those uncouth expressions you brought from Earth. I presume that by on the blink you are implying that my detector is uh, not functioning, correct? Yes. Well, is it or isn't it, persisted Jamie. But the only answer he got was a few light-hearted trills on the music pipe which this scientist had picked up from his work desk. Jamie went red in the face and turned quickly back to watch the marching column of men. Silly old. He began to mutter under his breath. Victoria came close and squeezed his arm. He's not doing it to annoy you, Jamie. Not really. It helps him concentrate when he plays on his pipe. Jamie looked sulky. He could answer my question, though, couldn't he? That detector device is his pet invention. And it is supposed to tell us, without leaving TARDIS, what kind of world we've landed in and what the natives are like. Victoria was staring at the screen again. "'Look,' she blurted. "'Where did that cloud come from?' "'It stood out against the deep purple sky, just like any other cloud, "'only it lay close to the ground, "'and it stretched away from their craft like a great white wall. "'The music behind them stopped. "'A cloud?' rapped Doctor Who. "'He sprang to the side of his young companions "'and stared at the glowing screen. "'But that's impossible in this atmosphere. "'It must be a mirage.' Does that mean we shan't be able to go out in this atmosphere? asked Victoria, a trifle anxiously. I was really looking forward to getting outside and stretching my legs a bit. Doctor Who stuffed his pipe into his pocket and reached for his shapeless tall hat. Of course we can go out, my child. The instruments show that it's quite safe to explore this planet, whatever its name is. Victoria clapped her hands excitedly. I shall call it Cloud Seven, because that's my lucky number, she laughed. Doctor Who led the way outside TARDIS. They stood staring about them. "'Well, your Cloud Seven doesn't seem to offer much in the way of variety of scenery,' commented Jamie. It was true enough. The spacecraft had landed on the edge of a great plain. It was composed of gently undulating hills that resembled dunes more than anything else. The landscape gave more the appearance of a gently rolling sea. The cloud was still there. It lay some distance away, and seemed to be directly in the path of the marching beings.' To look. I'm sure the cloud is growing, gasped Victoria. Amazing, murmured the scientist. Oh, you must get a closer look to see if there are any fissures or, or cracks in the desert floor. You mean the cloud might be formed by vapours rising from beneath a planet's crust, eh? said Jamie. Hey, exactly, came the answer. Come and help me to get the floater out of the TARDIS storeroom. I intend to sail into the cloud and collect a sample for analysis. The floater was another of the doctor's inventions. It was a portable craft designed for exploring. Folded into a small leather valise, it could be inflated at the touch of a button and became an airborne craft propelled by jets. When the floater was inflated, they climbed aboard. Doctor Who took the controls and they rose smoothly into the air and sped towards the cloud. Below, the dry sands were whipped up by the pulsating jets. I've got my camera said Jamie to Victoria, as they peered around through the transparent canopy. I want pictures of those marching soldiers, or whatever they are. Perhaps he was overheard by Doctor Who, for the scientists the floated down low as they drew abreast of the marching column. Now they could see that the strangers were giants, something like eight feet tall, Jamie figured. Their stride was enormous. They were magnificent, towering specimens. Male, probably, said the Doctor aloud but I can't be certain. Each was clad in a sort of tunic and harness which left most of his chest bare, and all of them supported objects suspiciously like weapons across their massive shoulders. Their dark brown skins glistened with perspiration. They marched steadily ahead with their eyes fixed on an unseen objective far in the distance. Why don't they see us? Jamie asked. Perhaps they can't, suggested Victoria. Doctor Who touched the switch and the floater began to descend to the plane ahead of the column. Yes, it's possible they are blind, he agreed. In any case, I intend to try and communicate with them. When the floater touched down, he spoke over his shoulder. I suggest that you both stay here until I have established some sort of communication, he said. But as he climbed to the ground, Jamie came scrambling after him. You're not leaving me behind. I want some pictures, he said. They stood in the path of the marching column. Doctor Who raised his hat and cried out, "'Greetings. Uh, we are travellers. Uh, we come in peace.' But the staring eyes of the giant beings did not focus. They seemed to stare right through the Doctor and Jamie. "'Great guns! They'll march straight over us if we stay here!' exclaimed the boy. "'Great Doctor!' But the scientist seemed to be rooted by curiosity. He did not budge. Jamie dived from stared horror feet. at a sight which made him doubt the evidence of his own eyes.' But Doctor Who still stood there, while the marchers passed through him like an army of ghosts. "'There must be ghosts,' gasped Jamie. Then he remembered his camera. He could see the scientist was quite unharmed by his experience, so he turned and ran after the column. The grim lines of marching figures streamed inexorably past the floater. He could see poor Victoria shrinking away in terror inside the craft.' Jamie ran beside the marchers with his camera clicking. He captured the extremes of expressions amongst the marching men. He saw grief and fear, triumph and disaster, anger and determination, hatred and remorse all mirrored in the enormous eyes of the aliens. Suddenly he stopped running. He stood frozen with fear at what happened next, for the head of the column had reached the cloud, which had become transparent like an enormous crystal ball clouded at the edges, and as the marchers entered the cloud, they vanished. Jamie found Doctor Who standing beside him. "'Astounding,' murmured the scientist. "'It is indeed some kind of mirage, but not within my experience.' He broke off as Jamie grabbed his arm. He was pointing a trembling finger at the last of the column, marching into the cloud. "'Look, am I going crazy? Or is that a city?' What they could see was enough to make them doubt the evidence of their own eyes. It was like looking into a gigantic crystal ball. Tall turrets and gleaming towers of weird design now filled the cloud. Doctor Who's voice was husky with wonder as he replied, It's amazing. I believe the cloud must be some sort of displacement from a period of history that happened long ago on this planet. Jamie was staring at him. You mean something like an echo? he asked. The older man nodded quickly. That's it. An echo of some cosmic events across the corridors of time to this moment now. And like all echoes, it will ultimately fade. He broke off as Jamie turned away towards the cloud. Where are you going, boy? he called. To get a closer look at that city inside the cloud, said Jamie over his shoulder. If it's due to fade, I want to get a few pictures with my camera. The doctor moved hastily after him. No, come back, Jamie. You don't realise the dangers. Come back! but the other took no notice. He strode resolutely forward. The Doctor and Victoria saw him enter the fringes of the white mass. Then he was gone. As for Jamie, he wandered about inside the fringes of the cloud for a few moments, like a fish in an aquarium. Only faintly could he see the outline of the Mirage City. All around him there was a glow. It shone like an incandescent bulb. Then for the first time he felt fear. There was a whisper around him. It rose to a terrifying screech. A great light swept towards him. Jamie shouted. The sound was caught and twisted by the forces whipping wildly about him. He toppled and fell into a howling pit of sonic madness. Everything went dark as his senses slipped away. His awakening was sudden and startling. One moment... He was floating in an echoing nothingness, and the next he had his eyes open and saw that he was lying on a ledge of stone, surrounded by the giant beings he had followed into the sonic cloud. A voice of one reached him. It rumbled deep, like thunder. He wakes. Go and tell Zeta that the alien who fell from nowhere is conscious. Jamie struggled upright. He stared at the circle of solemn faces. These looked like the men he had photographed. They leaned on their weapons a little wearily, and Jamie noticed that some were wounded. As far as he could see, they were in the ruins of some building that might have been a temple, to judge from the vast archways and ponderous marble steps. Then Jamie became aware of a background of noise, the rumbling, whining, and earth-shaking background that could only denote a battle in full fury. The giants watched him with curiosity, but without fear, as he rose to his feet. Jamie felt his own courage ebb as he looked up into the fierce brown face of the giant who had sent for Zita. Uh, I seem to have lost my way in time, began Jamie. That sounded so fantastic that he was silent again. The giant's only reaction was to lean down and lay a massive finger on the side of his cheek. White skin, he rumbled. Uh, y- yes. You see, I'm from a different planet and a different age, said Jamie. There was a sudden stir among the giants. A tall figure in a glistening helmet strode through their ranks. ''Hail Zita! thundered the greeting. The leader was an arresting figure with burning eyes and a scar that zigzagged his lantern jaw. He stood staring until Jamie could bear it no longer and felt his hot blood mounting into flushed cheeks. Now, see here. I don't know exactly how I got here, but it had something to do with a sort of cloud. It was some sort of echo from your time, this time. Zita's helmet flashed as he lowered his head in a deep bow. You were sent from Archinog, the god of war. He rumbled. The prophecy says that a small creature with white skin and strange talk will be sent. He will lead us into battle against the Scythius. Jamie felt panic clutch at his insides. He took a grip of himself and answered, You expect me to lead you into battle? Sorry, friend, but I'm not the warlike sort. Your prophet must be talking about someone else, not me. His words seemed to have no, no effect hand to his followers. Sound the attack. To the escort, a stranger one to march ahead of our battalions. At the sight of him, the Scythians will turn and flee, for they too know the prophecy. Jamie came to his feet with a bound. He made for a gaping hole in the wall and scrambled through. He began running fast across the flat, featureless ground. He saw the giants coming after him from the ruin. He knew where he was now. He recognised the flat expanse before him as the plain on which the TARDIS had landed, and where he had seen the cloud. He had no idea where he was heading for. He knew that only desert lay before him on this dying planet. But a vague hope that Doctor Who might find some way to bridge the time gap spurred him on. The giants were gaining on him. He could hear the thunder of their feet behind. Then a rumbling cry from behind warned him of a new danger. The Scythius! They must have risen from some hidden entrenchment, for they were only fifty yards in front when he spotted them. Horror gripped him anew. He stopped dead. His stomach heaved with revulsion. The Scythius! were like monstrous slugs. Their obscene, bulbous bodies, protected by some transparent armour, writhed as they wriggled towards him at an astonishing rate. Then he spotted their weapons, and he guessed it was not himself they were interested in, but the giants. Great guns, I'm right in the line of fire when the two sides open up at each other, gasped Jamie. A depression in the ground, some sort of shell-hole, opened up mercifully at his feet. He flung himself forward and rolled down the slope. Behind him, the weapons sang their hissing, sizzling songs of death as the battle began. Jamie lay flat, panting hard. Then he scrambled up with a gasp. Five feet away, something nebulous was beginning to materialise. Something white, misty. It crept out of the ground, or so it seemed. "'and it swelled into something he recognised. "'The cloud!' "'The next moment, a familiar figure "'stepped from the edges of the cloud. "'Doctor Who!' "'yelled Jamie, springing forward. "'The scientist grabbed his hand. "'Quick, my boy, into the cloud. "'Hold my hand and don't let go.' "'Jamie obeyed. "'He plunged into the white mass "'and felt his head spin with the ringing of the sonic changes. "'For a moment, he lost consciousness.' When he sat up again, he was aware of the silence. He stared around. Doctor Who stood nearby, calmly playing his pipe, and of the cloud there was no sign. I was it some sort of dream? asked Jamie weakly. It wasn't, said Doctor Who crossly. You had a very dangerous experience, and you're lucky I was able to snatch you back. Next time, perhaps, you'll listen to me when I give you a warning. And now let's get back to the floater. Poor Victoria must be quite worried about us.